0: Devam Tansujanura Deva Vandev Jagat Hi and welcome to Gita Girl. My name is Sharmila and the Gita Girl Podcast is about how to live skillfully and be your best self by using the advice in the Bhagavad Gita. Jesse Krishna Shaila Jesus Krishna Sharmila, how are you? I'm good. I just spent a weekend away. My husband, kids, and I, we went to a resort where there were lots of families with kids of all ages. And on the last day of the long weekend, my kids, who are now in their mid-20s, turned to my husband and me and said, wow, we've been seeing all these families with little kids. Parenting (laughs) looks like a major hassle. (laughs) No, it's a breeze, (laughs) kids. (laughs) <laughs> I think they were traumatized yeah. by seeing all these parents with these screaming children. Like, oh, my God. I mean, it's, it, it's not tough. easy.
1: It is tough. I think that's why this podcast is going to be a really great one for so many people, because this is a podcast about dharma for parents, what is our duty as parents? And I can say that I have personally relied on the teachings of the Gita to guide me as a parent probably the most when I'm making decisions about my kids and kind of managing expectations about who and what they should be. And we're going to be talking a lot about that today. It's a tough job, but as we've said before, we have a book here that'll help us. Looking forward to discussing some of Krishna's greatest hits when it comes to parenting.
0: Yeah, so the whole book can be applied to parenting. Yes. Um, Here at Gita Girl, we've picked out, like you said, Shayla, love that, greatest hits. We've picked out the top five or six concepts that we think applies the most or would be the most benefit to parenting. Honestly, I came to this level of understanding of the Gita much later in my parenting journey. And now when I look at my notes that I've even made today about this podcast, I think to myself, oh Lordy, I wish I had known this (laughs) a quarter of a century ago when I had my kids. But when I did come to this level of understanding of the Gita and apply the lessons, I do feel that my parenting, the journeys become easier more peaceful and happier and healthier for the whole family. Um,
1: Absolutely. And I can say that I've been in your Gita class for a few years now. And of course, we're doing this podcast for a bit. And I have some of this knowledge. But as we were looking through the notes also, I recognized some of the mistakes I made even last week and even yesterday with my kids, we've talked about this before, it's all about practicing. So we won't become the best parent maybe tomorrow, but you'll become a better intention parent today, which I think is critical.
0: Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Okay, so let's get into it. Firstly, we've discussed the concept of gunas in episode 7 of the Gita Girl podcast, and there's a brief explanation of what gunas are on the concept page of our website, githagirl.com, so you can look at that. But basically, there are three ways to do anything in life, according to the Bhagavad Gita, and those three ways are called the three gunas, G-U-N-A-S, three gunas. So there are three ways to do anything. The first way is you can act sattvically, that's sattvicly, with an S, which I like to call serenely. That means with wisdom, staying calm, and with intelligent action. And according to Lord Krishna, that leads to the optimal outcome and is really the only way to peace and happiness, is to stay calm, act intelligently and serenely. Do not freak out. That's the first way. The second way is to act raj sickly. Raj raj-sikh with an R. Raj sickly means to rush around, being agitated, irritated, and most of our actions fall into this category—the sort of frenetic, like "Oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do?" and just rushing around, trying to get everything done, and that leads to agitation. And according to Krishna, the fruit of raj sick action. The result of behaving this way is sorrow. And the third way you can act is to act tamsikly Tamsik with a T, and that is toxically. With laziness, with anger, with delusion. Those are the three modes of operation. You can act sattvically, serenely, raj sick, rushing, or tamsikly toxically.
1: A really good example that I think many parents of school-age kids can understand is the example of your kid coming home with a grade that doesn't meet your expectations or what your child is capable of. So they come home with a bad grade, a grade that is not acceptable and you um, have a couple of options here. You can fly off the handle and get very angry at them, get upset with them about their lack of good study habits and feel concerned that this is going to impact their end of the year grade and make them feel anxious about it. Or you can have a conversation that calmly ask them how this happened and if they feel like they studied enough and if they didn't why not and help them sort of problem solve and you can look at it as an opportunity to build skills for better study habits and to give them the tools to be able to improve their own academic behavior or you can use the opportunity to just get angry and make them feel anxious and fearful
0: And there's a place in that that's somewhere in between, right? A sattvic approach would be, like you said, asking them calmly and then focusing on moving forward in a more productive way and listen to their needs and what would be beneficial to them rather than imposing your own outrage on them. That's right. Thamsickly, right? Toxically accusing them belittling them, berating them, shaming them, giving them anxiety. These are two extremes, but there's somewhere in between. And that's sikli, which is kind of trying to do the best thing for them, but doing it still with blame, shame, guilt, irritation, exasperation, disappointment. Right. And that's where most right. of us fall in the middle.
1: That's very true. You make them feel guilty about not studying.
0: Yeah, even if you're not shouting them. overtly, That's right. Still make them feel bad. That's right. In a very passive-aggressive way, still making them feel bad or still being irritated that you have to deal with this. Right, right. And that's where most of us fall, and we think it's acceptable.
1: Like, I know you could do better, but not in a way that's helpful, but in a way that's sort of condescending and rude. Right, right.
0: Yeah, So that's that's where most of us fall, and that's the kind of – trap where things get very gray. And yeah, you're smiling. (laughs) I'm smiling because I 100%
1: feel like I said this to my kid recently. I know you can do better. And yeah, it's not helpful. And you feel like you're not being judgmental because you're not raising your voice. You feel like you're being understanding, but when I'm thinking about it now, it's really judgy and it wasn't giving her any of the kind of skills or tools or support to do better. Even if maybe I asked the right questions later on, I certainly didn't at the time when I said, oh, you could have done a lot better. Yeah, thanks, mom. <laughs> I was already
0: feeling like crap. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock.
1: Better. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Exactly.
0: So, like I said, there's Sattvic, Raj Sik, Thamsik. Hopefully, easy for all of us on this journey to know when you're being toxic. Raj Sik is a lot more seductive, but it's not optimal. It's only going to end up, like Lord Krishna said, in sorrow sorrow for them sorrow all for you all parties yeah for all parties so when you notice yourself yeah. becoming agitated or angry resentful irritated understand that this is not the best way we all know this deep 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 down inside but i feel that we all give in to our agitation and irritation a lot
1: it's easier it feels instinctual rather than to just kind of take a pause and figure out what's going to be the most helpful way to approach this. And if my duty as a parent is to raise a child who can be confident and be able to make good decisions, then I would approach any situation better instead of falling on my immediate reaction, which is like, oh, right. I know you weren't studying you're playing video games. Instead of taking the opportunity to say, what can you do differently? And whatever sort of time management skill you want to teach them. But I know my instinct is just to, like, think of all the things they did wrong and just get angry.
0: And then that's all they can think about as well. And they can't move forward if they know you're so disappointed and so upset. That's all they're thinking about as well. All aspects of parenting, all actions fall into this three categories, three gunas. But we within ourselves can also be Sattvic, raj rajasic, or tamasic within our own actions in our role as a parent, independent of our children. And I'll give you an example. When my kids were young, I tried to do as much as I could for them and for my family. I taught Bal Vihar all by myself for 11 years I was heavily involved in the PTO, parent-teacher organization. I was vice president for four years, president for two years. I did loads of activities for my kids, sports, music, arts, everything. You name it, my kids did it. And when I look back, it was almost insanity how much I did. I thought it was for them and doing my best, but it was this frenetic, agitated, rushing kind of madness. (laughs) You feel like you have
1: to do all these things for your kids, right? Like you feel like it's a reflection of yourself as a parent if you're not taking on too much, right? I think we celebrate being overwhelmed as a parent as a sign of good parenting. Like if you are calm and relaxed, then Clearly, you're not doing enough for your kid. You should be racing off to take them to soccer and enrolling them in 8 million classes and baking for the bake sale and becoming an expert in physics so you can be their tutor. Like, you're expected to do all those things. And we've internalized that message, right? That being sort of crazed is a sign of you're a quality parent.
0: Yeah. That's committed, devoted. Committed, yeah, devoted.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So my kids, now that they're adults, they often say they wish I had done less and had instead been calmer. Isn't
1: that crazy? In an effort to do your best job as a parent.
0: I was a mess. The the, the actual child is feeling neglected. Exactly. They felt neglected. The reason for my agitation, my irritation, they felt so guilty. And... Anger came to me so quickly because I was kind of walking on this tightrope, like really close to the edge. Trying to balance too many things. And I don't think it was a safe environment for them. I don't think they felt safe, which is really sad. It's a tough, tough thing to reflect on, honestly. Your intention was
1: not a bad intention. I think that's what's important for us to remember, right? We have these great intentions as parents, but I think they're misguided sometimes.
0: They're also misguided And influenced by seeing what everyone else is doing. If everyone else is doing it, then I should be doing it. So true. I personally think I should have been more aware and more cognizant of my limitations and my boundaries and not pushed myself to do so much or felt the pressure to do so much. And I think I would have been happier And my home would have been a much more happy, peaceful home for my children. In chapter 13, Lord Krishna says, we are farmers and our body is our field. We should know our limitations. Know what you can do in a sattvic manner. That's not to say give in to laziness. I'm not saying that. But know your limits and know when it's all just getting too much. And that's okay. And that's different for everybody.
1: Absolutely. It's so personal. You know, there's no way that we can give an answer here that's going to be applicable to everybody. But I think it's just about being thoughtful and aware of how much okay. time you have. And setting boundaries. I think you said it perfectly before. Setting yeah,
0: boundaries. boundaries and limits. Too much is too much. That's this right. is too much for me. Right. I can't do it. And that's tough right. nuggies, I'm your parent. Karmically, you chose me as your parent and tough nuggies, I'm not going to be able to do this for you. And I think the Kids will probably be happier. Please don't do it for me. (laughs) I'd rather you don't do it for me and be irritated and angry. I'd rather you just be happy. We can all just chill and relax
1: and it's fine. It's true. And sometimes you're not even doing it for them, really. Like if you really think about it, you're doing it for other parents. But not keeping up with the children. Absolutely.
0: Yep. So um, know your limits and know when too much, even if a good thing is just too much. So the first piece of advice, we've discussed the concept of gunas, and be aware when your actions and your mindset is becoming agitated or angry, and understand that it's just not the optimal way to behave. Um, The second is chapter 13, you're the farmer, your body is your own field, know your limits, know your boundaries. Thirdly, the golden rule in the Bhagavad Gita. We come back to this over and over and over again, chapter two, verse forty-seven. Do your best. My favorite. Yep, everybody's favorite. Do your best. Leave the rest. Krishna's... Get a tattoo of this. Yeah. <laughs> I should get a tattoo of it on my forehead. <laughs> know, you're, you're... And this way, best, I no longer talk anymore. <laughs> I just have to point to my forehead. Just, that's it. Right there. <laughs> So Lord Krishna says in this verse chapter 2 verse 47 he says all you own all you have a right to is your own efforts period our dharma our duty is to focus on our own actions and not the results really really hard to do very hard. Krishna in chapter 2 verse 49 goes on to say that being result oriented and focusing on the end result makes our efforts inferior and actually makes us wretched. He uses the word wretched, which means miserable and angry.
1: This resonates so much because I think we all have a specific definition of what success looks like for our child. Like we think, what activities will make them successful? What type of partner should they have? What type of college should they go to? And we spend so much effort focusing on that result and you don't have control over the outcome because that's your child They're their own specific person with their own personality and own wants and desires and dreams and hopes and abilities and skills and all of that good stuff. And I think when you focus on what your definition of success is, it not only alienates your child, but it just, as you said, it makes all of your efforts inferior. They're not focused in the right direction.
0: No, they're focused on that yearning, right. that anxiety. Lord Krishna says your mind is endlessly diverse, whereas when you focus just on your efforts, your intellect is single pointed, and therefore your actions are superior because you don't have the clutter of what college are they getting into? Oh my goodness, this grade right. is gonna like affect everything. It's really not. Calm yourself.
1: It's not. And maybe focus on teaching them to work hard, how to study well, how to get over disappointment. You know, these are all life skills that are critical and important. And then what they do with that is up to them, right? You've taught them all these foundational skills. You've given them the environment to be creative and do well and what college they get into or what career path they choose or what activity they excel in or if they fail at getting on the team or if they get the lead in the play, whatever it is, it's out of your hands, out of their hands largely too, right?
0: And that's a beautiful lesson to understand. You can only control your effort in the moment. You can never control the result. That's such a fallacy we've been taught and brainwashed to believe it's untrue.
1: Yes, I think we so carefully try to curate our children's lives with the focus on this end result. And I have a son who is just starting college and I have a daughter who's starting high school. And so, you know, college is a big topic of conversation, of course. Mm-hmm. And we really try to curate this life for them. That's going to directly lead to the college of our choice. College of success. The college is going to solve all their problems, you know, and it's not, (laughs) it's not. And you end up making a lot of choices for your child and push them in directions that cause them stress, cause you stress, cause you constant mental anxiety. And I think we miss the point and we teach our kids to miss the point. Right. That's
0: the thing. That's the most painful thing. We teach our kids to miss the point and then they become wretched too. That's right. An example I've used before in this podcast, but it's a great one to illustrate this. There's a difference between these two mindsets. Number one, my duty is to make my child polite. And that's results focused and leads to disappointment, frustration and anger. Because the next part of that statement is my duty is to make my child polite dot 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 at all costs. So if I get angry with them, if I shout at them, if I hit them, if I berate them, if I humiliate them, it's all okay because my duty is to make my child polite. Okay. at all costs, yeah. Whereas the more optimal mindset is my duty is to teach my child to be polite, period. So my duty is focused on my efforts. My duty is to teach my child to be polite. That's it. Regardless of the results, the results are out of my hands and it's much more effort focused, which leads to acceptance, serenity, and setting a much better example for my child that I've done what I could. And you know what? The rest is up to you. That's
1: right. And that doesn't mean that if you've taught your child to share and you see them not sharing that
0: you don't correct that behavior, right? Like you still- Let me just stop you there. I don't think- your duty is to correct that behavior. Your duty is to call attention to the fact that that wasn't the optimal behavior for your child. Okay. But whether that behavior gets corrected or not is out of your hands. Your duty is to keep calling attention and keep teaching. But whether that behavior is corrected yeah. or not is really not up to you. You can only do your best. Ooh, that's tough.
1: If, but true, that is uh, is very difficult, but that's true. You don't have control over how they handle that situation and what choice they make, even given what you perceive as is, is the best instructions.
0: But the instructions you have best to give. Best guidance. The guidance yeah. you have to give. Yeah. That's your duty. The funny thing is the more you can detach from the results, the better parent you will be, and you'll have less Anxiety, frustration, anger, disappointment, and can actually be more engaged as a parent and have a lot more stamina to actually affect change in their behavior rather than all the anxiety, frustration, which just makes you exhausted and like give up like I give up.
1: I'm just trying to reflect on that, you know, and think of some of the times when I've been frustrated when their behavior doesn't reflect the way I feel that they should behave. And you're right. I mean, it is a lot of anxiety and frustration and disappointment and all those negative emotions could have been put to much better use if I had focused on the guidance portion of it again.
0: All this frustration, anxiety, sorrow, disappointment, it's just exhausting. It'd be so nice to turn the volume down on that a little bit. And I think it's hard
1: because you're It is liberating, and you're really kind of fighting against the tide because you're taught this idea that your child's behavior reflects on you, and it's tough to overlook that, you know, because you do feel like some secondary shame, some embarrassment, but it's the wrong approach, and it's not
0: productive, but it's hard to fight. And that leads me to the next point, parenting tip number four from the Bhagavad Gita – is that we try so hard to control our kids' actions. We try so hard to control our kids' karma, thinking that we're doing what's best for them. Helicopter parenting, it, it was definitely a thing when I was raising my children. Oh, it's still a thing. So a helicopter parent is a parent who pays extremely close attention to a child's or children's experiences and problems, particularly at educational institutions. That's what Google told me. And I have
1: such a fantastic example for this. It's going to horrify you. This podcast is going to take a turn. (laughs) Okay. (laughs)
0: Why not? I have so many of these. She was the most Um, horrifying. That's always fun. Let's have a laugh.
1: (laughs) So I was at this meeting and the human resources staff person was talking about how she was interviewing this young man. And at the end of the interview, she said, um, you know, do you have any questions for me? You know, standard part of an interview process. And he said, no, I don't think I do. And then he said, mom, do you have any questions? He had his mom on the phone. He had his mom on the cell phone during the whole interview. And the entire audience had the same kind of gasp that you did. (laughs) Even now, when I'm telling the story, I'm feeling like a heat on my face. I'm feeling like secondary embarrassment. (laughs) Getting a hot flash. (laughs) Exactly. And I thought about this. And what skill did you think you were building in your child? The only thing you did was make your child look inept. And feeling it I'm immature, sure. not give him the skills to be able to handle his own business. I think you're handicapping your child by making them think that they're not capable of making their own decisions. I don't know, like you think you're doing them a favor, but you're not. You're not giving them the skills to be able to stand up on their own two feet. And I think it comes from a place of your own insecurity. Like they can't do anything without me. I mean, like we're so dependent on that feeling of being needed by them, right? But I think. Because of that, we've given them the feeling that they can't make decisions on their own. You've just sort of made yourself think... That you're doing what's best for them, when in fact you're actually not doing your duty as a parent, which is to raise a capable person who's independent capable of, of, of independent of you and capable of making their own decisions, making their own way in this world, and contributing, you know, as a meaningful citizen. I,
0: I think so many parents do their kids homework. Come on, you've seen the stuff in oh. your kid's science fair. There's no way. A- absolutely. No. Okay. <laughs> kid did not win a Nobel science prize no. yet. Okay. You, there's had, no way had that, had that gluing <laughs> alone, that art thing that they've, that is no way there's, we've all seen this. Some parents do their kids' homework, control their kids' choices of which course to take in school, even in college. I'm not talking about discussing it. I'm just talking about like literally controlling them between yes. you and me. My parents controlled my high school choices. They did not let me take what I wanted to take. I had to fight with my brothers, who are much older than me, and my parents to take English because I love to write. And they thought, as an Indian, I should be taking math, economics. And I was like, no, that will kill me. My three A-levels were maths, English, and economics. But I had to fight for English. My family was very like, what the hell are you going to do with English?
1: I'm telling you, I bet some of our listeners right now, and I know parents who are friends of mine who will be listening to this and saying, but yeah, of course I should, I know better. No, I know what's good for my kid. And that I think is what needs to be addressed. No,
0: because my happiest time in high school was in my English class and it's helped me in my teaching. It's helped me in my writing. It's helped me in everything much more than math and economics, because that's who I am. The economics was fine, but the math almost killed me. It was awful. I hated it. And then I went to the (laughs) London School of Economics, (laughs) because that's where my family wanted me to go. No arts college for you. Ugh, such a drag.
1: And I think you said just now, you said it was not who I was or it didn't reflect who I am. That phrase is so critical because I think one thing we forget in the Gita, like we're each our own individual souls and our own individual people we come with you know own likes dislikes talents and skills and it's not up to someone else to push you in one direction when you're being pulled in another right i mean they have to make a living also right like you want to encourage them to figure out what they want to do and how they're going to get there but you can't push them in one direction when they're clearly being pulled in another. As tempting as it is, as much as we're like, we know better, we know better. No. You don't. You don't. I
0: mean, you know better in certain things like don't do drugs. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. But let's go back to the Gita. Chapter 3, verse 35, Lord Krishna specifically says, specifically, the duty of another is fraught with fear. Do not helicopter parent. It's more harmful, than you know. Stop taking over your children's dharma. Stop doing their duties. You should be afraid of the consequences of doing so. Why? I'll give you evidence. I went to a talk by Joshua Sparrow, a renowned author and child psychiatrist, who is a professor at Harvard Medical School and also the director of the Brazelton Touchpoint Center at the Children's Hospital in Boston. So this guy is a big deal, knows his stuff. And the talk focused on why do our children have anxiety and what can we do to help them. Dr. Sparrow said that in today's world, parents with all good intentions have actually disempowered their children. Dr. Sparrow said, number one, we analyze and overanalyze the smallest things our children do, from the sports they do to the courses they're going to take. Every single decision of our children is analyzed, overanalyzed, becomes a family discussion. So, of course, they have anxiety over the smallest decision and can't make the smallest decision because they have got the message that everything in their life is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we do. We overanalyze everything they do. Watch their every move. Don't let them make mistakes. Don't let them fall. Correct. He said that's a big anxiety-causing issue in the kids, okay? And then he says, number two, little children. You know, you see little kids and you give them a little brush and broom. You give them a little, like, cooking play set. And he said little kids love imitating chores, They love pretending to clean. They love sweeping. They love vacuuming because for them, this chore is how they belong and contribute to the family by imitating their parents. And what a lot of parents have done and still do is we have taken all our children's chores away with good intentions. And we've given them the message that, no, no, we will do all of this for you. And your value, all you need to do is perform in school and get good grades. So we have given them the message that their value lies primarily in academic performance. No wonder when they get a bad grade, they get crushed because they think they have no value. That's right. And not to mention,
1: what are they going to do? For the majority of their life when they're not in school and they don't know how to do their laundry or they don't know how to maintain a home or correct or any of the other things that adults do that make a life or that give you agency over your own surroundings i mean none of those things right it's the only focus they've ever had is on academics
0: So we've given them the message that all their value lies in academics. Then we've given them the message that they're not even capable of managing their own academics and they have to discuss everything with us. And then they're completely disempowered because they have no life skills. Of course they have anxiety. Yes. So he said, give your kids chores. From the time they're able to load the dishwasher to make their own bed, they should be doing it themselves. It's a drag. You have to keep going on at them do your chores do your chores do your chores but you know what it's part of parenting and so long as you're focused on your effort and not the result you should have the stamina to do it so he said number one stop analyzing and indexing on every small thing in their lives number two give them chores and number three he said be less available He said, 30 years ago, there were no phones and kids managed themselves from 8am to 4pm perfectly well on their own with zero contact with their parents. He said, now I see the kids, they text their parents for every little issue at school. Their grades, somebody said something mean, a teacher told them off, they didn't like their lunch, everything is texting, texting, texting. He said, just leave them alone. Let them navigate their lives for eight hours of the day. Let them figure it out. Let them fall. Let them know they can get up on their own. Let them know that they don't need you. That's what's so hard too, the needing. We have to kind of think
1: about this. How much are we doing this because we think we're being helpful? I'm sure that's a little bit of it. And how much are we doing it because we just want to be needed? And it's just about us. You're not doing a favor for them. You're doing it because you need to feel a certain way. I mean, I'm thinking about that for myself, right? Like, I like to be needed. I like that my kids call me and ask me random questions, but am I empowering them if I answer all those questions? Not at all. I'm making them think that they're not capable people and that's not the message that I want to
0: send. Exactly. I'll give you another example. My oldest son, Jen- When he was in college, he used to, you know, you have that room pick, right? You have to pick your own room. Oh, right, right. And he'd always send us pictures of, oh, which room do I choose from the bigger closet or with a bigger window? And this decision seemed so important to him. It was like, oh my goodness, this whole year I'm going to be in this room. It's so important for me to choose the right room. And one year in college, my husband Sunil and I decided to be unavailable for like three hours, four hours. And he would sent us these pictures. Neither of us responded. And guess what? He was totally fine. He chose a great room. And he never asked us that question again. From that one time of us not being available, he got the message. He could do it. You gave
1: him a more long term gift by not helping him with that decision. And honestly, let's say it went horribly south. Let's say he picked his own room and it had the closet was too small, his roommate was terrible whatever. So you learn something from being uncomfortable. That's also learning experience. And then you learn what not to do the next time around, or you learn how much you are capable of putting up with either way. It's a valuable lesson. And I think we try to make our kids' lives so comfortable Right. Um, and that we forget that right. part of our duty is letting them get roughed up sometimes a little bit. That's life. We know that as adults, yeah. we know that we have been banged around a little bit. Obviously, I'm not meaning literally, but you make some mistakes and they're painful, but you learn from them and you move on. And we have to be okay with that. It's hard to watch. It's hard to be uncomfortable. You can watch your kids go through some difficult times. Even saying it, it's like hard to even think about, right? I
0: think you're right. We don't want to put ourselves through the hassle or through the trauma of seeing our children being uncomfortable and learning their own lessons. Part of it is also that we don't want to go through that. That's right. Absolutely. And Dr. Sparrow said that our job is not to give our children happy lives. He said, "What is this focus on happiness?" He goes, "What?" He said, "Life is not going to be happy all the time. Our job is to give our children the tools to face the inevitable knocks that life will give them and give them the tools to appreciate the fleeting moments when life is happy."
1: Oh. That is so perfectly stated and it underscores one of the main things that are talked about in the Gita, which is equanimity, right? Enjoy the good times, let them go and know that the bad times are also going to happen, but those are also temporary. And what he is saying is exactly correct. The goal is to let your kids know that they can withstand the challenging times And they can also enjoy the beautiful
0: times. But all of it, all of it is temporary. Beautifully said, Shayla. Next piece of advice from the Bhagavad Gita. Point five. Parenting is a drag, right?
1: It's frustrating. It's (laughs) exhausting. Oh, it's fun and games, people.
0: It's a real hassle. But Lord Krishna in chapter 12, verse 10, he advises us that whatever we do, we should do it for him do it for the universe, do it for mother nature. He says, be intent on doing actions for my sake. Thus you shall attain perfection. And I once asked my adult Gita class that if you do everything for God, if you did everything for God, your parenting, everything, okay, how would it change your attitude? And they said they would be calmer, they would be kinder, they would be more accepting of the results, more peaceful. They would have a much more focused effort because they'd be less anxious. And Lord Krishna says that this attitude leads to perfect action to view your work as a parent, to view your work as worship, doing everything with that mindset that you're doing it for your own spiritual progress rather than you're doing it for your children. Because if you're doing it for your children, there's the expectation that your kids have to do something for you back. And then that leads to so many expectations, which you're going to be disappointed. That's right. Or and
1: you're then, making choices to like please your kids, you're making choices choice to please your in-laws, you're making choices to do what your partner wants you to do or what you think other parents want you to do. And all of that is noise and distraction leads to disappointment the best thing you know that we're saying here is like any action parenting also is something that you should think about as part of your worship you're doing this for lord krishna
0: and in chapter 17 verse 20 here lord krishna says the best way to give any service to anyone is give because it's your duty to do so as a parent this is what you signed up to do without expectation of anything in return. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it to fulfill your own dharma, your own responsibilities. You're not doing it for anyone else but yourself.
1: This is so critical because I think so much of parenting, and I'm speaking for myself too, is just tied up in expectations. yeah, And tied up in, I'm doing this for my child because I expect them to be a or I'm doing this because I want them to look a certain way in the eyes of community or society, right? We're doing it. Um,
0: for you. I'm doing it for you. The amount of times for, my father has said to me, I'm doing this for you. You can never repay this debt. That's another Indian thing. The debt to your parents can never be repaid. You know what? I'm not supposed to repay it. I'm giving you respect. I'm giving you love. I can never repay that debt. But is it a debt that needs to be repaid? Do we have children so that they can repay that debt to us? What the hell is that? Yeah, that's so true. They don't owe you anything. You had children. You had that choice to have children and you're doing your duty to raise them. Do you want to be spit in your face for your trouble and for doing your duty? No, nobody wants that. But do they owe you anything? I don't know. It'd be nice if they were nice to me, but do they owe me all the money and time and everything I spent on them? It would be impossible. Then they'd have no life. They'd spend the rest of their life repaying me back. That's, That's not so what true. I
1: want. Yeah, I think this is a big part of our culture, too, this sort of owing, particularly parents. But I think you can look at it a different way. It is, it's your duty, obviously, to take care of family. And maybe that includes parents, but it shouldn't be done out of obligation and it certainly shouldn't be your parents expectation that it's going to happen you instill this value in your kid that they should be caring and kind and loving and respectful to elders or to the people around them or whoever family and but then they'll do it they themselves. Do, yeah. do with that, that's right and if they do it great if they don't you have to accept that as well
0: and krishna says our efforts as parents are not wasted somewhere somehow the fruit of our actions will come back to us. And it may not be through our children. Mm, Hard pill to swallow. It is a hard pill to swallow. When I've taught this to my class, the question came up, but what if your kids are behaving badly and don't deserve whatever you're doing for them? What if they don't deserve your... Christmas gifts or Diwali gifts or whatever. Lord Krishna in the same verse, chapter 17, verse 20 says, ah, that's a great question. He says, you give with due regard to place, time and recipient. If they're behaving badly, then it's your duty to respond accordingly. No one's asking you to be a pushover. Right? Don't reward them for bad behavior.
1: Absolutely not. And a lot of times we do, right? But disciplining sometimes, that's tough, but you have to do it if it's your duty to instill a certain value.
0: Absolutely. So, again, chapter 17, verse 20, the best way to give anything to anyone is give because it's your duty to do so without expectation of anything in return. Whatever you're doing, you're doing it for yourself, but with due regard to place, time, and recipient – if they're behaving badly, then they get a lump of coal, sattvicly, right. with serenity and calm, <laughs> without anger and resentment and toxicity, but it's your duty to respond according to their behavior. Don't be a pushover. Right. And the last piece of advice from the Bhagavad Gita, I love this. Lord Krishna says at the very end of the Gita, the end of chapter 18, Every endeavor is covered by some sort of fault as a fire is covered by smoke. One should not give up doing your duty even if it's full of faults, full of difficulties, full of disappointments. Nothing and no one is ever perfect. Every endeavor has some kind of taint. Get over it and get on with it.
1: I think this is very freeing get over it and get on with it because i think if you keep trying to make the perfect decision you're going to be on this hamster wheel yeah. and never making any movement and i think particularly with parenting you're just making decisions constantly and I think the more you practice not being tied to expectations, just be focused on your duty. um, The more you practice doing your Dharma as a parent for Lord Krishna, the more you practice behaving in a sothic manner, the more you're able to focus on your efforts and not focus as much on the results. The more those things will become kind of instinctual and easier, but it's a journey. So don't beat yourself up when you fall back on old habits. It's going to happen. You know, as long as you keep making the attempts to move yourself forward, I think that's the most we can expect out of ourselves. As we all know, for those of us who are parents, it's an exceptionally rewarding job and it's also extremely challenging. And I know the guidance in the Gita has been incredibly helpful for me. It's definitely helped manage my anxieties a long, long way to go and lots of stumbles backwards and small steps forward. But it's helpful to have some guidance about how to do it in a way that is good for you and your spiritual growth, but also really good for your child and your child's spiritual and personal growth as well.
0: So that's our podcast for today. Lots of parenting tips that hopefully everyone, including Shayla and myself, can remember when we feel ourselves yes. descending into rajas to try exactly. and lift us. We
1: may have to listen to this podcast a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you,
0: thank you everyone for listening
1: as always catch us on all of our social media on Instagram and Facebook. And we'd love to hear some feedback in the comments and share with us how your parenting journey is going and what are some challenges or some of the helpful advice you took away from this podcast. We'd love to hear it. I know other parents would love to hear it as well. And we have one more podcast in this season coming up and we are looking forward to continuing to talk about Dharma be well and jai krishna jai krishna everyone
0: vasudeva sutam devam, deva tam Paramarandam krishnam jagat kuram